we're in a sermon series titled Under the Sun, as you see. We're going through the book of Ecclesiastes through uh, the month of July, and it's been a warm month. It's kind of good to be back inside a little bit. It's also good to be back in the States. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 3 tonight in, uh, in Ecclesiastes. We're going to go through the first 11 verses in that, in that book. When I was a young boy, I was about four years old, I remember we'd go over to my grandparents' house, and I would sit. My grandfather was in World War II, and he didn't talk much, but when he did, there were incredible stories, and I could not not listen to him. He'd sit in his recliner, and he would just share these stories that were mesmerizing. Think of Solomon as a guy who's older. He's had all the success by this point when he is writing this passage of scripture. He has had all the success in multiple categories that the world would identify as true success. He had all the fame that you could imagine. He had 300 concubines and what, 700 wives? That sounds like a lot of problems. (laughs) But that is fame if I've ever heard it. He had fortune. They'd say that after he collected taxes, they'd bring in about 25 tons of gold. That was his cut. That's five elephants. He had fame. He had fortune. He had power. Basically, his word was the law of the land. What he said went. His father was David. He was the son of Bathsheba, a mistake that David made. Early in in Solomon's ministry, he is crowned king, and God comes to him in a dream and asks him, if you want anything, what would you have? And he prays this magnificent prayer in 1 Kings chapter 3. That prayer says, I just want the blessings like you did, my dad, but I want all the wisdom that you could ever give me. He could have asked for the fame. He could have asked for the fortune. He could have asked for the power, but what he asked for was the wisdom. And through God's wisdom, he writes, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and all the other things laid themselves out. People came from all over just to hear the wisdom that God had given Solomon. So imagine Solomon kicked back in his recliner, penning the words for you and I today, that we sit at his feet and we think that this was a 1968 song by the birds 2,000 years later. I'm going to invite you to stand in the reading of God's word because that's what we do. And in verse 1, in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, for everything there's a season and a time for every man or under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, 
a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. In verse 9, what gain has the worker from all his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, so he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You may be seated. God bless the reading of his word. This was the prayer that Solomon prayed when he was anointed king, and he prayed to God. I want wisdom. Here's God's response in verse 12 of chapter 3 in 1 Kings. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. The man that heard that from God writes in verse 14 of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Who has tried to chase the wind in here? <laughs> it's futile. You're not going to catch the wind. Even Jesus mentioned at one point in his ministry, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. We try and put our fingers on God. We try and pin down things. But God says there is a time for everything under the sun. In this world, before we get to heaven, before it's all over, there's going to be ups and downs in life. There is a time for everything. Solomon had to first see everything. And I want to, you to think about something because oftentimes people will say that life is not fair. And if there's a time for this and a time for that, why is this happening to me? And you don't understand. And I'll give you two examples of people in Scripture. Everyone in Scripture has a testimony. Solomon had one. Solomon was the only one I know of that did not experience any war, no pain, wealthiest man ever, had everything that he wanted, did not deprive himself of any pleasure at all, so that he could write, it's a waste. Job did nothing wrong ever. Solomon didn't even finish strong. He inherited his father's sin. Job, with the wisdom, by the way, Job did nothing wrong. God allowed him to lose everything Listen to his wife tell him, curse God and die. And Job asks God, why is this happening? And God says, who are you to ask me what is happening? And then Job gets peace. His life, his mental state is restored as well as his health and everything else. Here's the point in both stories. God is God, and we are not. And there are some people that have a Viking 
and $8 billion in the bank. And they're doing just fine. And that's not me. But our tendency as humans is to look at that guy and go, why does he have that? And those Ugandans live in a 10 by 10 shell of metal. There must be no God. There's a time and a place. There's a time and a place. And there's four basic principles that this passage lays out that I think you'll appreciate before we're done tonight. Number one, there's a season for everything. We just said it. There's a time and a place. I've always been a big fan of change. I kind of like change in my own life, and I look forward to different seasons. And, you know, when you live in Mobile, you don't get to see a lot of seasons. We have two seasons, I think. We have uh, January and summer. <laughs> so, but nevertheless, we have seasons. So you can drive to West Virginia or somewhere like that so you can appreciate the changes that we see in nature. But I remember coming to faith in Christ just because, well, I was shared nature. And even scripture tells us that we're going to look around and we can't ignore the fact that God created it. That's going to be part of our accountability when we get in front of him, when under the sun is over with. But what do we look forward to in life? Fall football, summertime kids getting out of school, popsicles. There are different times and seasons for just about everything. Everything, there's a season and a time under heaven. God exists outside space and time. God created space and time. He made everything beautiful, he says, in his time. Also, in verse 11a, he has put eternity in your and my heart. He has placed eternity in our heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. This takes a lot of pressure off of us to perform when we look at seasons and go, I can't do anything to change that. If our seasons are broken up out there, our lives must also be broken up into seasons. They're developmental. When you were young, you used to drink milk, right? Well... When you're old, you begin to eat steak because now you have teeth. We have toddlers, and they learn. And it's fun to watch a baby to a toddler. They almost always act the exact same. And then they develop into their personalities, and they begin to make decisions. And then you have preteen and teen and, and grown-ups. And then I remember as a teenager going, I can't wait until I'm older, right? And now that you're older, you're like, oh, why did I? Get excited about this. This is terrible. I wish I was younger. No, I don't want to go back. I can't make my boys be young anymore. All I can do is live in the day and appreciate that growth happens in the day. And if it's spring and I want summer so bad, I'll miss spring. We miss out on so much because we don't see the beauty in the season that we currently get to live in. We could take our time under the sun and appreciate what Solomon, I believe, missed a lot of the time because he was keeping up with 700 to 1,000 women, etc., and, and gold. 
Life is made of seasons. Second truth, some seasons are thrust upon us. Verses 2 through 8 give you a list, long list. We're not going to go back through it. But half of that list is bad things. It's a time to die, right? It's a time to hate. It's a time for war. These are the things that we don't plan on. What are some other things we didn't plan on, like seasons that we didn't plan on? I was looking at some pictures the other day, and I came across our great ice storm that we had years ago. Nobody planned for that, and who in here knows about weather? I have three apps on my phone to try and figure out. That's why we built a pavilion, so we can be covered, because weather is so hard to predict. If a weatherman tells you it's not, they're lying. But when an ice storm hits Mobile and you have all these fancy, it made me think. I have prayed for snow to come just to have some kind of a change here and it not work. And then you get that unexpected change. What if the unexpected change is not pleasant? Most often it's not. The unexpected things that we do not like hit us like a ton of bricks and they're out of our control. And we don't want to have anything to do with them. As a matter of fact, all I want to do is, like Job, just cry out to God, punch my friends, and go isolate myself and wait for time to heal all wounds, right? The problem is, is that time doesn't heal anything, and God oftentimes allows these things into our lives so that you can be the part of the next guy's healing. Job has been an aid in my life a lot of times, right? How many people do you know that have comforted you because they were already somewhere that you are in right now. Those unwanted times can be great news for us if we receive them as God's providence rather than unwanted times. Take note. Pay attention. We live, like Victoria was saying a little bit ago, when we shared this three-circle thing, I want to give it to you real quick. People will say that we live in a broken world. Why do these things happen? God is not real. God created a perfect world. A beautiful world like, like he just described in this passage. There was nothing wrong with the world until we were given a choice. And sin entered into this world and with sin came brokenness. So you and I, born into a world of brokenness, try and repair that brokenness on our own, unsuccessfully. I tried for years to do it through substance abuse. I tried to do it through better relationships and friends, and nothing would fill the void that only God could fill. And when he does, you know it's him. Through Jesus Christ, God sent his son to bridge the gap between him, our Father, who created us in his image and in his love to be perfect. He sent Jesus to lay down his life for me. And when we receive that, the brokenness can go. The forgiveness can begin. The healing can start. But you cannot deal with the brokenness in this world. There's no human remedy for it. You can only manage it. And if you can't control it, you can't manage that either. So God allows certain things, like pain, to be the megaphone that God wants to use to speak to our hearts 
and share his love with us. Not in fairness, but to draw us for eternal purposes and eternal life. Brokenness is part of a fallen world. There are some verses that can comfort us. Three that I just want to give you in a fallen world. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. He's speaking to his children. That's you and I. If you are a child of God, he comforts you in your need. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. Your situation doesn't have to be hopeless. I will give you strength. Psalm 55, 22a says, cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. Philippians 4.13, which many of us know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's speaking from a place of contentment in whether he has plenty or not enough. He's not saying I can run a marathon in four minutes because God will strengthen me. He's saying that I have learned to be beaten and jailed. I have also know what it's like to have 25 tons of gold. Neither matter. It's all vanity. Make sense? That's our God. He's bigger than anything we face. He knows you and your situation. He loves you. He will help you. He cares about you. He has a plan for you. And when we lean and rest on him, we'll find our place in him. Number two. Some seasons, or number three, some seasons are our responsibilities to bring about. It's true there are difficult things we can't control, but there's also things that are good that God wants us to participate in. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Be an active participant in your own salvation. You cannot walk with Christ without moving, Right? We have to move in a direction in order to be blessed by God. He's asking us to do some things, good seasons that are our responsibility. There's a time to live. He gives us a list in this passage, and we'll, we'll go through it in just a second. But while I was in Uganda, Uganda, it made me think about this. There's a time, we'll go through the list now. There's a time to born, be born. There's a time to plant. There's a time to heal. There's a time to build up. There's a time to laugh and dance. There's a time, unless you're an old school Baptist and you can't do that, but I'll talk to you afterwards. There's a time to gather and embrace and love and peace. These are all what? When we talk about love in this world today, what do people say? Ah, oh, it's a feeling. No, it's not. It's an action. It's something you can offer. I cannot love my wife when I'm sleeping with other people, right? I have to love her on his terms and her terms. I have to communicate in their language. I have to step outside myself to offer what God can give me. His spirit in me empowers me to forgive the unforgivable, to, to give when I don't have it to give, to provide for 600 students with 400 pieces of candy. That's pretty cool. 
when you see modern day fishes and loaves stories because all we had to do was walk out of obedience. God provide, provides everything that we need along the way for us to be able to do that. While I'm in Uganda, what I've found is if I don't give the boys an assignment, even if I do give the boys an assignment, it's not necessarily guaranteed that it's going to happen. I can guarantee this. When I come home, there won't be any pizza left, right? I don't have to fight to get them to eat pizza. But what I do have to do is cut the grass. I can almost guarantee that the pizza will be gone, but the grass will not be cut. Why is that? If I want my grass cut, I need to be a participant in planning, enforcing, and enforcing. What does God do with us? If we had our druthers, as believers, we sit around and eat pizza and don't cut any grass. We don't cut grass at all when we're supposed to be cutting grass. He says, go, and we say, mm, I'm going to go out to eat. That's what he said. He said, go out to eat. He said, go hang out with your friends. He said, go, nah, I don't have the money for that. I'm going to go on vacation instead of a mission trip. You see where I'm going? It, the easy thing to do is what you want to do and what you want to explain about what you want to do rather than the act of obedience when God says, I want you to go to Africa. Let me tell you something. When he said, I want you to be a pastor, I did not feel very good. I did not feel very excited. I'm still not <laughs> feeling very good sometimes. And when I was sitting on that panel in Africa, out of an act of obedience, stressing out, going, I don't belong here. These people know everything. And then when they ask a question in the Holy Spirit of the living God, gives you the answer. And you tell them, and they say, great. I have to acknowledge that it's him that calls. It's him that qualifies and him that asks us to walk. And if we don't walk, there's no blessing. There's no, we, we can eat pizza and get fat all day long, but when eternity gets here, what am I got to show for it? Because I should be multiplying the talents that he gave me. He gave one guy one, one guy five, one guy ten, and the guy buried it in the ground, ate pizza while, while his master was out of town. He was called evil. That's not an easy, easy word to swallow. But it's one that's necessary for those that love Christ. I have to look at God and go, oh, my lazy spiritual walk means that I might be evil. Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I'm going to start walking again. Maybe the reason that my marriage isn't working is because I didn't. Maybe the reason that my relationships aren't working is because I didn't. Maybe because my finances are broken is because I didn't. We have to be participants in our walk with God. We have to dance. We have to plant or we're not going to get a crop. A great story of working like it all depends on you and praying like it all depends on God is found in the Old Testament with the example of Esther. Esther found herself in a foreign kingdom as a queen living the queen lifestyle and Mordecai, her cousin, Tells, she finds out that her people, the Jews, are about to be annihilated. 
He says, you have been placed here for such a time as this. You have a job to do. And if these people will be saved, I have put you in charge just for this. Solomon, I put you in charge just for this message right here. Job, I put you in charge just for this message right here. A young Jewish girl. Mordecai says to, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Every one of us has a time as this to work. Maybe you're in that place. If you have a job, you don't just have a job. That's a divine assignment. My boss is an idiot. You don't know him. Maybe he's trying to grow you in your faith and reach him for the gospel. If you have a spouse, you don't simply have a spouse. You have a sovereign assignment. If you have a relationship and friends, you didn't just run into them by accident. These are providential meetings opportunities for us to share Jesus' love with other people. Maybe God wants you to build up a business. Maybe he wants to use your boss to help you grow. Maybe he wants you to embrace, change, invest in something new. There are people you need to make peace with, maybe. The Bible tells us when you have your ability, you make peace with everyone, right? There are things that we have to do. Finally, seasons exist to cue our hearts for eternity. I was not born for here. You were not born for here. We were born forever. It's in here. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time and he has put eternity where? In our hearts. I didn't have to know to ask the question. My parents did not tell me to start asking good questions when I was three years old. When I'm looking around going, what the heck? How did I get here and where did I come from? Right? We all wondered. Our purpose is something that we wonder about. Why is that? Because we have a God-sized hole that only he can fill inside our hearts and in our minds. And if our purpose is not in us, but it's in him, and we don't find him, we fight forever under the sun to not get anywhere. You won't get your purpose. There's a reason for mission trips. Because Jesus said, go. How do you find your purpose? By going. I didn't know what I was being trained for until I was on my way back, right? Hindsight is what? 2020. The only part of God I've ever understood is the part that I've obeyed, not the part that I wrote about or read about, not the Bible study that I did, not the questions that I thought I had answered, but the God that I met behind closed doors who told me do something and I responded to that something that he told me to do. He gave me a season to work in, and I don't know if that season is up tomorrow at noon. It could be up tonight. What I do with the season is not next season. It's now. Today is the day of salvation, right? Now is the accepted time because we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. 
The second part of that verse 11 says he has put eternity into man's heart so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Your beautiful season is up to you. When we look at Solomon's life, we see a guy that worked hard, climbed the ladder, reached the top, and I think he had all sorts of wisdom, yet he still asks this question, is this it? Is this all there is to life? We see him ask that out loud. And he says, absolutely, yes, there's more to life. That's why he penned that part of it. He gave us the options, the rough draft, the I can't believe all these ups and downs. It's all a chasing after the wind. But we were made for eternity. We were made for something so much bigger. This life, you and I were created forever. That God loves you and he loves me so much that he did what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today. Not tomorrow. Because tomorrow it might be too late. You've heard me say this before. It's terrible theology, although I love the song. Robert Plant said there's still time to change the road you're on until the road ends. I just want to pray for you. What season are you in? I want to ask you if you know what season you're in right now. We're going to stand. As a matter of fact, go ahead. I'm going to have the band come up. And I just want everybody to bow their head where they are. There's going to be an opportunity when I step down. I'm just going to be standing down here at the front. And if you need prayer for anything, I'm here. We have other people that can pray with you in the back. But ask God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What season am I in? He's got a plan for you. And it's a plan that requires walking and blessing and walking and blessing and ups and downs. Ups and downs. And realizing that it's God's plan and not ours. And hiding ourselves in those words, his encouraging words, and believing what they say, that is part of our faith. That when God says, I will give you the power that you need, he will give you the power that you need. But when will he give it? After you walk. After you go forward. If you want to walk forward and you need help, if you don't know Jesus personally, we're here. And we want to share with you how to do that. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship. Where are you in your season of life? Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your word and the wisdom that you gave Solomon so many years ago. We thank you so much more for salvation and showing us that your own heart is one of love and that love is an action and that you did all the walking so that we don't have to, that all we have to do is walk into your arms to experience your salvation. Lord, I believe that there's someone here that just needs you to hold them. 
And I pray that that's what happens right now, that you would just hold them and let them know everything's going to be okay. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, convict their heart. If you don't know Jesus and you want to, the gospel's simple. You have to believe two things. One, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And two, Jesus is that Savior. That if you confess with your heart and your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. If you don't know him, pray a prayer simple like this with your, with your heart from your soul. Lord, I don't know you, but I want to. And I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me to make a way for eternal life. That I'm a sinner and I need salvation. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. I turn from it today and I turn to you. And I ask you to empower me as I walk forward in my faith from this day forward. If you prayed that prayer, all I ask is maybe write it on a piece of paper, tell me or one of our guest services people after the service. The rest of us just want to take some time and just personally worship.